Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about what's weighing on our minds. I'm Trevor Keyson. I'm a super chub, and a witch turned me into a dog for wronging her, and I'm on a quest to gain back my human form. <laughs> I thought there was something fishy. <laughs> I'm Michael. I am a chaser, and uh, I turned Trevor and a dog into a dog, so he's uh, on a quest to turn himself back, but... Uh, you got to help me prevent it because he looks much cuter as a dog. <laughs> My name's Don. I am a chub here living in Hollywood, and I am a frog in search of a prince. Oh. My name is Dan Oliverio. I'm a chubby chaser, and uh, there's this weird dog in my apartment. I can't figure out where Trevor <laughs> is, but uh, the dog's cute. <laughs> like I said, oh. Oh, we're going slowly more and more insane, if you hadn't noticed. <laughs> For those of our future listeners, uh, we are still in the quarantine. Uh, I've lost track. Are we week four at this point? Uh, it depends on. So I think officially it's week four, but Julia and I have been doing it for another week on top of that. So because you're overachievers. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes. you and I started doing it the same day because we, yeah, so we hung out. It's week so it's five been, for us. Okay. God damn it. I was thinking about like what it's going to be like for people in the future listening to this. Because I remember listening to back episodes of a certain podcast and like pre-election, them being like, oh, it's he's never going to get elected. Like, there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> and then just like, oh, no, they don't know. And yeah. then getting to the the post-election episodes. It's like watching the teens at the beginning yeah. of a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 We are in the darkest timeline. And uh, so I'm wondering, like, at what point does... Like, is there going to be a course correction and things start to go back to normal? Or is this just like, are we just in the darkest timeline forever now? Is well, it, they, are we done? They announced that uh, they're thinking of rel uh, relenting on the quarantine May 15th. But, you know, that could change. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean everything's going to suddenly spring to life. I think, you yeah. know, maybe construction will go back first and things like and that. And to be clear, that's May 15th for California. That right. is not a presidential order. That's a that's a gubernatorial <laughs> order. A what order? Didn't, that's funny. Didn't, didn't our president say something to the effect of we've been – there have been like 800 – he said they were – he's talking about the number of tests that they have. And he's like, we have 800,000 million tests. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, wait, what? This wait, is the same guy who assured us this is a democratic hoax we're suffering through right now. So, yeah. What do you want? Oh. Let's not talk about the virus anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. or the on, president. On a positive note, on a positive note, if you hadn't noticed already, we sound much, much better today. Uh, we have figured out a way to use our, our studio recording setup um, in our respective homes. We did a, a very socially distant handoff of the different pieces of equipment. It was very nice seeing your nose over the mask and beneath the, <laughs> the goggles. So I, I have seen one square inch of Michael's face over the past month. Yes. And that's as much as anybody can take right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was weird seeing Michael and like being like, okay, like I'm not going to touch you. And like, we're going to yep. stand. We cannot talk. Like, Please go away. <laughs> yeah. I'll see you again someday. <laughs> <laughs> One day. But I am very happy about this because it means that when I edit the episodes, I don't have to like deal with the ear cancer, which is listening to our various terrible microphone setups that we had before this. So I... For one, I'm very grateful for the advent of Amazon, which, by the way, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't be spreading this part around, but it's my theory that Amazon is actually estimating delivery times to be far, far longer than what they actually are to kind of prevent people a little bit from ordering things they don't need. Because it said that they were going to, these weren't going to get delivered until April 27th. And today's, they got delivered yesterday on the 12th. Yeah. So, well, and uh, I ordered something else that like was supposed to come next week that came with the microphones that I ordered after the micro, like a week after the microphone. So they're just rushing stuff out. Yeah. But yeah. there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to it. My stepmother sent me some yeast about two weeks ago and it still hasn't gotten here. I, 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 all right. I'll ask why send you yeast. Was that unavailable in your grocery store? Uh, I haven't been able to find yeast uh, since the quarantine began. Okay. Well, it's, that's fine. Okay. I'm, I, I yeah. get wanting to make bread, but I don't, also get why everyone's decided like once again we're locked in our houses we're in the darkest timeline mm -hmm. but the fact that everyone's decided now to make bread 
and thus has created a shortage of all of these staples. Uh, for right. me, it's and- a comfort thing. Like the smell fills up my house. It makes it warm. It gives me something to do with my hands. It gives me something to put in my mouth that's soothing. It's well, definitely, <laughs> hey, hey, you. <laughs> and I guess those other things that you put in your mouth normally to soothe you aren't yes. available. <laughs> Not at the moment. All we get is a screen right now. Because <laughs> Amazon doesn't deliver that. Not yet. Yet. <laughs> Have you seen that guy? There was a guy that was leading a walkout that was talking about like, we are not an essential service when we are providing dildos. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, now. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'm just going to let that go. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. (laughs) That is. Well, speaking of dildos. (laughs) It's our very uh, special dildo episode. Yes. Uh, No, um, I discovered this actually a couple weeks ago and i've been meaning to bring it up on the podcast but you know everything is strange now so my brain doesn't really work anymore um but there is a lovely new show uh via comedy central uk called fat chat Mm. uh hosted by desiree birch and she talks to um basically other fat comedians fat activists the first episode which you can watch on youtube is um jack rook who's a a fat gay comedian but basically the format is uh desiree birch and her guest sitting talking about being fat and it is just pure joy uh dan and i watched the episodes yesterday and it is it's just perfect. It's it's really great. I, I I had a lot of fun with it too. Yeah, I watched the first episode, which is available on YouTube, and I was, I was laughing, and it was so nice to see them talking so openly and comfortably, mm-hmm. like just getting to it. And and they're they're both clearly don't know each other at the start, but by the end, you feel like they're best friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least with the episode with Jack and. It was just it was so much fun. They're not that long. I think they're like ten minutes long. Yeah, yeah give um, or take. Yeah. So they're just, they're super digestible, like sit down with lunch and and watch a few. And it was just a really fun way to like feel good about things and smile. Mm -hmm. And we can share a link to that one episode, the YouTube link to the episode on our, on our webpage as well. Yes. I'm just curious to hear what everybody's doing during this time. Like Michael, what have you been up to? I've been, so we've talked a lot about like watching new shows and things, and I've actually been not watching much, I've been working. Um, weirdly, I didn't think I was going to have anything to do, but um, I do a lot of work for the Boston Gay Men's Chorus, and um, they have been we we have been putting together one of those like sort of choral compilation videos where everyone records themselves singing the same song. Um, and the cool part is that this is because they're an actual like chorus. They have hundreds of people um, that can send in videos. And then, of course, it was my job to, like, mix them all. <laughs> oh, my God. And cut them together. Um, it was massively difficult. But the the end result I'm really proud of, um, and they actually just released it today, the day that we're recording right now, uh, Monday the 13th. Um, and it's it's from, it's Everything Possible, uh, which has sort of become their anthem at the Boston Gammons Chorus. And it's got this really sweet, heartfelt, positive message of togetherness. Um, and if you want something that'll make you smile, I highly recommend it. Um, it's the Boston Gay Men's Chorus's version of everything possible. That's great. We should put a link to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Trevor, uh, do we have a Lizzo watch today? We do. What time is it? Lizzo watch. It's Wednesday. So, even though time is a flat circle, you'll be able to, on April 18th, see Lizzo as part of the One World Together at Home Global Citizen Concert, mm-hmm. which is, you know, obviously it's, I think, who is part of it? The World Health Organization. Um, it's raising money to, I don't know if the money's going to who or just in general, one of some of these other um, organizations that are working to fight COVID. Um, but it is a star-studded cast, including Lizzo, mm. some other people that are going to be part of it. Uh, Unless Morissette, um, Billie Eilish, a bunch of musicians I don't know. Uh, <laughs> welcome to, welcome to I mean, my world. John, John Legend, Lady Gaga, oh. Paul McCartney, Stevie Wonder. Uh, I mean, these are the ones you don't know, right? No, these, yeah, these are these are the ones I know. The ones I don't know are um, Jay Balvin, um, Lang Lang, Maluma. Oh, Maluma! I have no. Um, I, I, I have no oh, idea. I love Maluma. I'm sorry if there are Maluma fans out there. Yeah. Um, 
how are they doing this? Are they streaming from their homes or like what is there any sense of like what the actual like what are you tuning in to watch? Uh, I believe everyone's going to be recording from home. So we'll get to see Lizzo's house, which is cool. <laughs> nice. I wonder where she keeps is the she- giant butt. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere she goes. Uh, I imagine it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Wait, Trevor, are you falling off the bed? No. Uh, I put my leg on the remote. <laughs> I'm, uh, for those of you listening at home <laughs> i am uh, recording from our adjustable bed in our bedroom because i'm like oh it's a softer surface and um michael has been subjected to the sounds of uh my desk and office chair creaking which so much creaking um, i thought he was clipping his fingernails the entire episode last time because there was so much like snapping and creaking oh, yeah uh, so uh that has an adjustable remote which i just put my leg on and then i started to recline <laughs> well um, baby to be fair you do some of your best work in bed yes it's true as well as reclined <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Um, Now, how do you like it, sir? (laughs) No, uh, back to Lizzo's giant inflatable butt. (laughs) Yeah, let's get Um, back on track. Yeah. How often can you say that? I like to think it's like packed into a closet or something. And but like still inflated. Yeah. So she's like, don't open that door. And then just the butt burst out. <laughs> I want it out by the swimming pool where you can like bounce off of it into like a diving thing. Like, I think that'd be a lot of fun. I was hoping it was that like multifunctional, like it's a giant inflatable butt and her garage. Oh, that would be awesome. Or like a bouncy castle on the inside. There you go. If you filmed it, you'd have to like blur out cars going inside of it then. <laughs> oh, God. This, this is getting into dangerous This is territory. the dildo episode, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> I didn't even know a Ford made a dildo. The Ford dildo. <laughs> <laughs> the only dildo with 100,000 miles of coverage. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, dear. That shouldn't be funny. That's very funny. <laughs> well, now that we're... Effectively burning the ass at both ends. Um, <laughs> shall we? Uh, shall we move on to our main subject for the day? Oh, let's us um, do. Yes, let's us do. Sure, let's do. Let's get to the. Let's get to the meat of the episode. The dildoey center, let's get to the, as it were. The ass of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Modern Family just hit. I believe their final final episode aired. Uh, was it last week? Last Is that week. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they were uh, sort of a pillar of comedy that uh, over the last few years because, I mean, they weren't the first comedy to, to show a gay couple on, on network television. Um, I, I think Will and Grace was probably the most famous example of that. Am I right? Well, there's no couple. There's no that. couple. Well, I guess in it's it. not a couple it's a gay, gay characters. Friendship. But it was a, uh, so I guess in this yeah. case, it was specifically I mean, a married gay couple. Other shows have done like individual one off episodes with gay couples. Um, like often they'll get married and they'll kiss and it'll be a big like, thing and then they're never seen again on the show well and i would also (laughs) point out that cam and mitchell they were a gay couple with an adopted child before there was gay marriage in the united states yes they were Mm -hmm. actually married one one year before marriage was legalized in the united states so the key thing there is that it's representing the family aspect of being gay, not the like going out like will and grace was very much about dating and relationships but largely about them as friends um, and this was about a couple that is a family and part of a larger family. Yeah. And it was unique. And most all gay characters up to that point that were recurring, including Will on Will and Grace, were usually sexually frustrated. They didn't have mm. partners. Uh, if they did have like some a love interest, it would last a brief period and then end. They were usually kept sexless. In a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's debatable whether I think it's debatable whether Cam and Mitchell were that sexual well so that's my that's my thought because i so there's two ways to look at it there's wow it's great to see a a gay couple being represented as a family unit um and but there's also the flip side of it is which is that my impression was that they were kind of chaste um and and i think especially compared to the other couples on the show um but it's also network television would, and you don't get a whole lot of sex on that well, anyway. I would correct I that in that uh, there were three couples on the show that it focused on a heterosexual, a traditional heterosexual coupling, a homosexual couple and a older, younger couple. The only couple that was ever shown in any sort of sexual light was the traditionally heterosexual couple. That was they were the mainstream couple. 
right? Oh, you mean the demographic? They were the demographic. Mm -hmm. They were the demographic. Well, mm -hmm. And I think it's important to say that there is some progress to the point to get now gay people can be sanitized and, you know, packaged in the same way that we've seen heterosexual married couples packaged in the same way for many years. I think yeah. that's true. Yeah. I mean, anytime you have this conversation, we're having a conversation called representation. And anytime you have a conversation about representation, the answer is always the same. Yes, but. Mm -hmm. That was really amazing. That was really fantastic. But. And then you just fill in the but with whatever the buts are. But it's, it's, that's kind of the nature of this conversation. So I have a dildo point for your butt that you're talking about. <laughs> so he mentioned that there's always a yes, but. And I think in this case, at least from a chaser's perspective, the fact that it felt like when watching Mitch and Cam initially, it was like, oh, my God, like Cam looks like somebody I'd be interested in that. I had never seen that before in in. I think virtually any context uh, shows or movies like that was a, that was my first exposure to a gay couple where one of them was fat. Absolutely. And, and that's the yes. <laughs> and that's the yes. And then the but is it always felt like it was treated as like Cam had gained weight at some point after they got together. Like he had a football players build initially and then he put on fat. But Mitch stayed with him. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of soured it for me a little bit. And I but Don, you had mentioned that maybe that's as, as someone who watched the show pretty regularly, I never got the sense that it was a yes, but situation. No, I mean, um, when you talk about the show. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I, I get Michael's point. And apparently there was an episode where that was brought up, but I think it was might have been the only time it was ever brought up. And yeah, the regular event that I saw was Cam being put in situations where he might feel uncomfortable, be made to feel uncomfortable and Mitchell stepping in to protect him and being a good partner to somebody who had different needs or different and, and not even just all fat related. Like the guy was a little bit high strung and a little bit high maintenance. Hmm. And Mitchell was always there for that. Um, and for I can understand why you might not feel represented by Mitchell. But I will tell you, it's the first time I ever saw a large gay man in a ongoing relationship in any show. Absolutely. Like, I, I never true. saw that before. No, you're very right. Um, now. Back, back to the inflatable butts. Yeah. Um, okay. Yes. So the episode, on <laughs> the episode uh, Don's referring to, because I watched Modern Family for many, many years. And then there's a point where I don't really know what changed where I, I didn't watch it. Um, and then one of the episodes I first picked back up on is the episode Don's talking about called a yard sale mm. um, from 2012. I think it's season four, maybe. Uh, the episode is the family's having a yard sale. Uh, Cam has lost some weight and he's getting rid of clothes. Uh, and Mitchell steals back some of his pants. And initially I was like, oh my God, like, is there, are they finally going to address, like, are they going to talk about the Jeff Chaser thing? Are they going to, is this a thing where it's like, uh, Mitchell's sad that Cam has lost weight? And is it like a, he's mourning and it's no, Mitchell has seen Cam do this you know, hundreds of times and he always, whenever he loses weight, he gets rid of his clothes and then he gains it back and he's sad. And he has, you know, there's the whole, the, the drama of he has to get new pants because the, his new skinny jeans don't fit, mm -hmm. which is in line with the characters, you know, cause Mitchell is kind of more uptight and like, you know, Cam is more eccentric, mm -hmm. but I felt like it was a missed opportunity. But once again, you know, this is for Phil and Claire. So of course that's not, going to they're not going to go into yeah it, it, it would eclipse that. the rest of the show yeah if it's a so b story the, it has to say a b story yeah. yeah yeah the moment i remember is actually different from that one i haven't seen the the yard sale episode but i the episode that i saw it was an episode where the, i think it was they had either gone back home or cam had reconnected with his past and that was where i brought up the football player thing because i think he played football in high school and that was he was sort of reminiscing on how he used to look and was had a breaking point where he felt very self-conscious and Mitchell said something like, you know, I'll love you no matter what size you are. Cause, cause Cam had been talking about how he had put on weight since they got together. Um, and Mitchell's response, which was very sweet was I'll love you no matter what size you are. But to me it was like, well, I love you at this size specifically, which is obviously not what they were going for. And that was the moment where it kind of disconnected for me a little bit, which is not that the show wasn't, great or didn't have other qualities but it was like the one thing that i really 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 wanted like the cherry on top 
wasn't there for me. What what would you have um, liked to have seen? I'm I'm a little confused. Uh, basically, it's the idea that Mitchell's like, I love you whether you're attractive to me or not. That's how it felt. Oh, and, so, and you wanted okay. that, or you did want? I I wanted him to say, I am attracted to you because you are fat. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which is not. And I get why they didn't do that. That is a that like Trevor was saying. That is the step. Like that is the extra step that they so didn't have to take. It's also the third rail of all Chub Chaser discussion. Well, let me let me just ask you this. Like, if I think the message that I took away, I don't I don't remember that specific episode, but I do remember multiple episodes where this sort of came up, and the assurance was always not like I love you despite the weight. The message was always like I don't care what weight you're at. Um, I love you, right? Does mm-hmm. that not make you feel included? I'm, that's not a judgment call on my part. It's, do, do you feel excluded by that statement? Or um, in well, it's not that I feel excluded. I just feel like it's for a different person. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally okay. get where Michael is on this because okay. it's like, yes, that's lovely, but it doesn't match our reality. No, that's mm-hmm. I, I totally understand that. I was just trying to wrap my brain and, around it. And what's what hurts a little bit more is that we get the message very strongly that it's supposed to be our reality and that we're wrong because it, because it doesn't match our reality. And I'm not saying that, you know, that we fall out of love because someone loses or gains weight. What we're saying is that weight loss or weight gain, especially when it's dramatic changes a relationship. And there's this, there's this idea out there that no, no, I'll always love you. Nothing will change. It'll be wonderful. Like that's what we're supposed to say, except that's not what it feels like inside for anybody. I mean, if you were, if you're a chub and you're with a really hot with, you're with a really hot guy and he gains a hundred pounds, you're, it's going to affect the relationship. You may still love him, of course, but it's going to affect the relationship. Right. And I think that, but isn't it, isn't it an aspirational goal that it would, that it wouldn't? Like mm-hmm. in all straight, in all straight, normal, mainstream, I, blah, blah, blah uh, stuff, the aspiration is that you love the person and that it's always I, I think, portrayed well, that, that way. I, I would it's love to basically that. portraying a gay relationship the same way they portray all straight relationships. That's, that's, that's my point. I think that's great, but I also think that's extremely unrealistic. And oh, yeah. Right. It's, it's the, I, sort of the Disney all idea. Aspirational yeah. well, I, I don't, all aspirational is. Well, I all aspirational stuff is. Yeah, I don't think it's aspirational. I think what that says is, shouldn't we really devalue the physical attraction between people that we're just souls in the universe? And like, no, that's not how physical existence works. Yeah. That, I, I get what Don's saying, though. What he's saying is basically the representation of this gay relationship is now on the same page as the representations we've seen of straight relationships in this sort of idealized aspirational way. And then we're adding on top of that, which is that that idealized aspirational thing is unrealistic and shouldn't be the expectation. And that's also not a story for a eight o'clock sitcom on a (laughs) mainstream American (laughs) network. Exactly right. That is not that show and it's not any show in that time slot ever. No, that's kind of, that's the crux of the modern family thing, which is that, and I've heard this in other areas of representation in our, in our community, which is that you can't be all things to all people. Like you, you have to kind of know what your yeah. show is and what it is trying to do. And so even though I hoped that it would be more than it is, I don't dislike the show. No, I just yeah. watch it for other reasons. To put a, a dildo in Don's inflatable butt, <laughs> <laughs> since we're playing this game. People are going to be um, demanding we make video episodes soon. So nope, in <laughs> not happening. <laughs> in Frasier... I don't remember what season it was, but there was a whole story arc where Jane leaves, who plays Daphne, got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And it was right after um, her character started dating Niles. Uh, spoilers for Frasier. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> it's very late in the show. Um, I think it's season seven or eight. Yes. So Jane leaves, comes in and she's like, oh, hey, guys, I'm pregnant. And they're like, uh, the producers are like, these characters just got together. We don't want to throw them into the baby arc yet. Mm hmm. So they wrote a little story arc for her where her character gains a ton of weight and no one's addressing it. And then finally she falls and can't get up because she's too fat. And they finally have to confront, you know, sorry, but the elephant in the room (laughs) of her weight gain. And Niles is completely blind to it because he has put her on a pedestal. So it's kind of Mm -hmm. seeing 
weight gain in a relationship addressed, but also how it's not addressed. Is that so, Dan, you had kind of a, a look on your face there. Is there some like how, what did you think about that? I I mean, the way they would point out, like, how does he not see that she's gaining weight is they wrote a whole lot of fat jokes. Yeah, yeah. that was one of that was one of the things they did. And it, it's farce. Um, and I, I was just thinking, though, that it's just part of what I was saying before of yes, but I don't think there's a case of fat representation in that Frasier episode. That's certainly not what that's no. about. That's about, you know, helping <laughs> no. an actor through an arc of a character. Yeah. No, but in, in the case of Modern Family, I think there's a lot of kudos for Modern Family for that, especially. And I think Don is very right to point out, I can't think of another, uh, what do we call them, bisexual couple anywhere on there network has or to even be a cable good television. Mixed size couple? There's got to be a good They're sometimes called mixed. They're sometimes called mixed size. Bisexual is another term that doesn't really apply here. Hmm. But um, I guess my, I, I think that's really an excellent point and you know you're gonna have to choose two gay characters and they will be particular characters particular people in a fictive universe and no they're not going to be everybody on the other hand and they're also a victim of their time i mean there's things that you could that you know modern family was groundbreaking in that way when it first came out and now not not so groundbreaking that's there were there were protests against it back in the day (laughs) absolutely Mm. absolutely i would argue that if they made modern family now and they had those characters now they would probably definitely be able to address that issue because I think, I think we're talking right. more about body politics. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I think now that's something that could be addressed. Yeah. And um, here's something I think is also very interesting. In the three major couples, there were plot lines for the straight couple and the older, younger couple that basically portrayed uh, an insecurity in one of them about being with someone that was so much more attractive than them. Mm-hmm. They did not do mm-hmm. that in the Mitch, in the Mitch Cam episodes. Oh, interesting. Uh, the closest things that I can think of that, uh, like the body insecurity thing, there was an episode where they go to a pool party uh, thinking that they're taking their daughter somewhere where she can shed some of her of her inhibitions. And then they get to the pool party and realize it's a pool party for young, hot, muscular twink guys. <laughs> uh, and the two of them basically, they ditch their daughter by the poolside and then run to the back room where it turns out to, it's the it's the uh the ugly gays room the ones that <laughs> all of them that are terrified to go out there and the and mitch and cam are both portrayed being in the exact same situation mm-hmm. cam is not portrayed as being in a worse situation than mitch mm. um and the entire episode is not just about the two of them but four or five different people i want to say that um i think nathan lane was one of them yeah because he's a recurring character all of them but out of the room at the end of the party and and reclaim the pool uh, in the way that they were telling their daughter she would have to do when they thought it was a party for teens. That's great. So it's like the portrayal may not have been, you know, yes, I love you because you're fat, but it was definitely for me, it was definitely one of like we can owning owning love across decades, like rather than in the moment, you know. Yeah, and I, I do want to clarify. It's not that I. It's not that I didn't like the relationship as portrayed. Like I, I do really appreciate how they wrote Mitch and Cam. Especially, mm. I mean, a lot of people complained about the sort of eccentricity and like high strung nature of them. Like, oh, it's they're just stereotyping gay. I don't. I don't think that they're, no, they're not sitcom at, I, characters. I, they're supposed to be funny. And I know funny. couples with that exact dynamic. I exactly. Can, yeah, it's totally <laughs> fine. But I just, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that I still very much enjoyed the show. It was just like, to me, it was like my hopes got raised and then they kind of got brought brought back down to a more realistic point of like, okay, no, this is what they're doing. They're on network television. This is, this is where it fits. Yeah. Um, which is why I was saying you have to kind of know what you're watching. Like you can't expect something, even if it comes across your radar and it looks like it might be promising or it might be exactly what you've always wanted to see. It might not be, but you can still appreciate it for the good things it does do. I, I want to clarify that I feel the same way. And my thing was just like, it's like, we're so close. You're so close. And I just wanted it to get there mm-hmm. because it broke so many frontiers and I wanted it to keep going. But I think that really goes back to you wanted a show for us, but you know, we yes. don't have that show yet. Not yet. And it's not Modern's <laughs> family's job to do that. You know, they're a network TV show. They're doing, they're doing their thing. I did want to make a point about what Don said in that particular episode, because I love what that, what you just outlined, because what it says is that the issues that young girls have are the same issues that adult gay men have. 
Oh, they very clearly <laughs> spelled that out on the show. And that's very really, clearly. and that's, and it's, it's really true. And it's also talks about, it gets at what we, we sometimes talk about with how fat men uh, get a little more slack than fat women when it comes to the world. Because, you know, if you're a straight fat man, you're not in the male gaze. You're not in the male gaze the way you would be as a woman or the way you would be as a gay man. Mm-hmm. But again, I just want to circle back to like the importance of this relationship being presented in front of the world. Like, I don't, do any of you ever have, like uh, to me, this is a very quintessential experience. Do any of you have a memory of seeing yourself represented for the first time on television or movies? I was 14 or 15 years old at home and a show called Necessary Roughness came out. It was a uh, movie oh, yeah. called Necessary Roughness starring Kathy Ireland. And Kathy Ireland gets into a love interest with a large Samoan dude. Mm. It is the first time I saw anyone that looked like me on any media form ever. Mm. Yeah, I remember sense. that completely and totally. Uh, mm. For me, I will remember Cam because it's the first time someone like me uh, that I saw on television was represented in a stable, long-term, loving relationship. That's important. That level of representation is something that you can remember. I'm guaranteeing there are kids out there. I'm hoping that the next time they see that mixed uh, size couple in another 20 years on a TV show or 10 years or five years, it won't be as unique and memorable. It shouldn't have to be memorable. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't uh, honestly, uh, my memory is not great for on the spot recall like this. It's just how I work, but I'm trying to think back and I don't know that I actually have seen I don't think I've had that moment. The closest I've gotten is, and I, and in retrospect, this is still not a great example, but the, I'm not super into rom-coms for, I would say obvious reasons. Cause I don't ever see myself in them. So why would I be? Yeah. Um, but the closest I got was the movie enough said with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and James Gandolfini, where they're sort of, they're both divorced and they both have kids and it's sort of, they're in their, they're solidly in their midlife and, uh, they have this incredible connection. And even in that movie, I mean, James Gandolfini obviously is a heavyset guy or was, um, rest in peace. And he, in the movie, it's not her type. And she says so. And she's like, yeah, he's not really my type, but like, I really like him. And by the end, she's also saying like, I'm, I, my tastes are changing a little bit. Like I really do like some of the things that I thought that I wouldn't. I really do like his gut. And I really, you know, and it's, it's not a great, it's still not, great but that's the closest i ever got to set to seeing a relatable experience romantically speaking mm. um and that came out i think in 2012 or 2013 and i mean it stuck with me and i still like the movie a lot but i don't think i have seen a, a perfect representation of myself anywhere yeah i i've never seen it on television or media i did see a play once in new york and uh there was there was a chubby chaser um and the actor did a really great job because, you know, it, it, I mean, the actor wasn't a chubby chaser and the writing was good because it really, I felt seen by that. The problem was that it was sort of a negative storyline about a chubby chaser. And although the representation of the chubby chaser was accurate psychologically, they went to great pains to sort of make that a bad thing. And that was a problem. Yeah. For me. So it's like, yes, you see me and you're judging me. Thank you very much. Um, as far as like for myself, I mean, I guess... M- Modern Family was maybe the closest, but at the same time with Cam and Mitchell and Lily, that is so not the life I wanted. Mm. So it was like sure. close, but not really. I think the the closest I've ever felt to being seen on television uh, was either Talk to the Game Show with Guy Branham. Mm. That is the first time I have seen just, you know, a fat gay man on TV and just thriving or uh, shrill. Mm hmm. And getting to see uh, Aidy Brandt come into her own and the, uh, I mean, the pool party episode, I mean, I remember kind of my first Chub Chaser event and kind of, I mean, it's a, it's <laughs> the pool at a Chub Chaser event is different than the, uh, <laughs> the yes, pool yes, party <laughs> in Shrill. But I think it's like, that's the closest proxy to me where, I mean, just seeing fat bodies normalized and also like sexualized. Mm. So I guess I kind of that moment of like, Entering a space and being so overwhelmed and then also kind of uncomfortable, but then getting to feel comfortable. 
I, I just want to bring up that, you know, I can understand being dissatisfied with your first level of representation, but you have to look at minority representation on television over the years. Like uh, the Cosby show is hailed yeah. as one of the first positive representations of, of black Amer- of American African-American culture on television. It was not the first black sitcom. There were a bunch before, most of which were not necessarily something that people would have aspired to. But The Cosby Show showed this uh, lawyer, mother, doctor, father. And again, was this a lifestyle that all African-Americans aspired to? No. I mean, there's a thousand different ways to live your life. But it was the first time that they saw a positive representation. You can point at Will and Grace. It's the same thing. Fresh off the boat for for, for Asian-Americans. These are not perfect representations of any of the minority groups they represent, but the fact that they're representing them at all, long term, in a positive manner, is unforgettable for the people that it touches. And I think Mitch and Cam are fall into that category. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Um, it's there is definitely, I think, a distinction between what Mitch and Cam have and what I and somebody I was with have, just as far as the dynamic. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely recognizable. Um, I also I've, I've, I should probably mention um, just because this is a fairly popular, at least in our community, representation of various uh, relationships in the Bear and Chubb community. But the Bear City movies, um, which I didn't come to until I think after they had been out for a little while um, and they focus more on bears generally, which is where I was kind of also talking about, like, you have to know what they're for. It's not mm. they're not really about Chubbs and Chasers. There is one Chubb Chaser storyline that goes throughout um, and I think the closest they got to me seeing myself is from the third one. I think another really good example of that might be Skeleton Crew, which is a web series mm. uh, that we should talk about sometime in more depth. But yeah, very much about inclusivity of fat bodies, uh, of gaining and encouraging. Really, really good. A good show for that. Yeah, I'd like to hear more about it. I haven't heard of it. Let me throw out uh, one more trope that Modern Family did not incorporate that I'm so freaking grateful for. I've mentioned on the past that when I was acting, one of the reasons why I did not miss leaving it was because I was sick to death of being told, that was great. Could you do the role a little dumber, please? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, compare Mitch and Cam to all the other big guy, younger uh, or smaller partner couples on television. King of Queens, uh, you know, uh, all of the tropes, Homer Simpson, family guy. The trope is always the big, fat dumb guy mm-hmm. and in a show chock full of dumb characters they, mm-hmm. like they they were really good at writing stupid on that show cam was never portrayed as being intellectually soft in any way no and they they didn't go for any of those jokes and i i've read interviews uh with eric stone street the actor who portrays cam and he you know he talks about exactly what you said don that most of your work as a fat actor is about looking stupid or eating everything mm-hmm and, you know, and he was willing to do that. He says, you know, he was willing to do that for doing commercials. And even in commercials, of course, he, you know, he's never going to be the guy who takes a bite out of something in the restaurant. He's not going to be the guy who takes a bite out of the taco at Taco Bell because Taco Bell doesn't want a fat person associated with their product. Uh, but he said that when it came to, you know, doing a show or doing a play or in this case, doing a series, that it was really important to him that that never happened. And and could, credit to the writers for I don't know if that was something he talked to them about initially or if that's something they already agreed on. But they as far as I remember, they didn't do that. And and that was held true. I'm willing to bet that that wasn't on their plate because then the pilot, it doesn't go that way. Like in, in the first season, it never really spins in that direction. So credit to the writers. I don't think they intended to. There was only one yeah. thing I read about that in the in the um yard sale episode the actor eric stone street did say that he went back to the writers the writer it was actually one of the executive producers and said you know this episode should not be about how many times you can work the word fat into the dialogue because apparently it was the fat pants 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 fat pants he's gonna get in the way back and be fat and he's like can you just tone that back a little bit i don't know i i I don't know how the episode actually turned out i haven't seen that episode but i think that's an interesting critique and certainly speaks to his shepherding of an episode when it comes to his character mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and i think that's something you earn after doing a sitcom for so long um i think that a you should be allowed to have that kind of input on your own character and the fact that they let him and the fact that he was part of that and it seemed to work out 
Yeah, I think, again, that speaks to a show that lasted as long as it did for a reason, which is uh, how many seasons they have? 11 seasons, 10 seasons? Jesus, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they meant to end last season and the network <laughs> made them go one more because <laughs> the end the end of the second to last season was sort of beautiful and perfect. And then they came back you know? <laughs> kind of like Parks oh. and Rec. Mm, yeah. So congratulations to Modern Family on 11 seasons. Thanks to them for a positive portrayal when there are so few of them. Yeah. Uh, and congratulations. Yeah. Very much appreciated. Trevor, is there a tip this week? <gasps> yes. <gasps> Just the tip. <laughs> um, Just the tip. So I have a new um, video workout surface Ooh. for everyone called uh, that is explicitly fat positive. It is like fat positive underline and exclamation mark and circle and maybe put some <laughs> some sticky notes with arrows pointing at it. Um, it's called Join, J-O-Y-N. So it's $9.99 a month normally, but they have 30 of their classes for free right now. So if you just go to the website, you can see 30 oh. of their different classes. Uh, they vary in length, but I want to say they average like, you know, 10, 15 minutes. There's meditation. There is fat Pilates. There's fat yoga. Um, there's some like chair work. And what I really love about it is it is very fat bodies in the videos. Um, nice. Really nice. Yeah. So it is very clear and they really get how fat bodies move differently. That's great. Which a lot of the stuff I've seen, you know, is inclusive or pretty good. Um, but I think this is probably the best in terms of like, I really feel like, okay, yeah, they get it. Like they, they know. Yeah. I think that's incredibly relatable for anything workout related, just because the, the, one of the main reasons I almost never, I, yeah, I can't remember the last time I went to a gym where other people were also in the gym, mm -hmm. which is that I just felt intimidated by a bunch of people doing things that I couldn't do. <laughs> and so extrapolating that out to like having a different body and not wanting to be forced to try and do things that you're not able to, I can see it being really relatable and helpful to see somebody who represents you in the video saying, we can do this together. Mm. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. But so it's join J O Y N. Uh, the website is www.join.co. Nice. Uh, and I'll link in all the appropriate places. Awesome. But now, Don, I have a tip, but do you have a bit? <laughs> <laughs> I do have a bit. A bit of a tip. Um, Just a bit. <laughs> okay. So rather than give you our uh, special trivia today, is going to be involving famous mixed weight couples in entertainment. Mm, okay. However, rather than just read off a list this time, I thought I might do it a little differently. I'm going to give it to you in different categories, and I'm going to give you questions for each of you, and each of you get to pick which category you want to take. Mm. So it's like so, Jeopardy. It's like Jeopardy. So Trevor, let's lead with you first. The categories are man on man, <laughs> blue collar, <laughs> paleo, or four-fingered action. <laughs> oh. Um, wow. Hmm. Delicious. I'm going to say four-fingered action. Yeah. Four-fingered action. You got it. Four-fingered action centers on Marge and Homer Simpson. The Simpsons, uh, Marge and Homer have been married for over 30 years on The Simpsons and are still going strong. Uh, but the question is, for whom are Marge and Homer named? One, Homer, uh. the famous Greek poet and his wife, Margarippa. <clears throat> Two, cartoonists Homer Davenport and Marjorie Henderson Buell, two of Matt Groening's heroes. Three, they were named after creator Matt Groening's parents. Or four, no one. The creator picked names based on their sounds and how funny they sounded. Three, and Bart is named Bart because Matt Groening changed his own name. That is correct. <laughs> that is fact. Wait, wait, wait. What was Matt Groening's name before he... Was it Bart? Well, no. So uh, Lisa's Bart, his sister. Yeah. Maggie is Maggie's his, sister his sister in real life. Uh, and he changed originally it was, you know, Matt, but he changed it to Bart because he wanted it to not be like autobiographical. This is my family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he picked wisely because Trevor is like the biggest Simpsons fan and probably the only one here who actually would have gotten that. <laughs> Dan, would you like man on man, blue collar or paleo? Don, I'd like Man on Man. Mm, wouldn't we all? Man on Man. You got it. Man on Man features the only male couple on the list. Uh <laughs> The comedy duo Laurel and Hardy did over oh. 100 films from the 1920s oh. through the 1940s. Wow. Their partnership shaped cinematic history. But how did the famous twosome meet? One, 
They met on the unemployment office line where both of them came up with the bright idea of selling food and drinks to people. Two, they were childhood friends and rivals in England that competed on opposing rugby teams. Three, they were unknowingly dating the same woman at the same time, along with one other man that they became lifelong friends with. Or four, they met doing a film together called The Lucky Dog that featured an attempted murder, a stick of dynamite, and a heroic poodle. (laughs) (laughs) I think I know this from the the biopic that came out a couple years ago. Boy, uh, I I really don't know, but I'm just going to guess it's, uh, well, no, it'd have to be. I think it's before the depression. I'm just going to take a wild stab at nothing. They met dating the same woman. Dating the same woman. And Michael, you think you know the answer to this one? I, well, I thought I did. I I was torn between the last two, dating the same woman or met on the movie set. But I'm going to go with dating yeah. the same woman too. Right. I would like to go with number one. Uh, they met on the unemployment office line where both of them are selling food? Yes. Okay. The correct answer was Laurel and Hardy met doing a film together called The Lucky Dog that featured oh. attempted murder, a stick of dynamite, oh. and a heroic poodle. That was my second choice. All Hmm. right, Michael. Yes. Your two categories remaining are blue collar or paleo. Uh, Well, I don't tend to go for the blue collar type, so I'm going to go for paleo. All right. The paleo deals with the Flintstones. All right. (laughs) I was wondering if it was going to be dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) The Flintstones was the first primetime cartoon ever made. The famous Stone Age couple of Fred and Wilma were not always intended to be set in the Stone Age. Original ideas of the TV show set them in, set them as, one, a fairy tale family featuring a witch mother-in-law, a talking effeminate cat, and a wise-cracking sword. Two, a Roman family featuring the voice of Dom DeLuise that was shelved and eventually relaunched as a Saturday morning cartoon that was canceled after one season. Three, a family that runs an opera in Renaissance Italy, featuring the voice of Mario Lanza. The idea was shelved when Lanza found out the project was a cartoon. <laughs> or four, a Western family that ran a ranch in Dizzy Valley. The show featured wisecracking horses, a Native American butler with a drinking problem, and Ugh. Uncle Snidely, the mustache-twirling villain of the series. <laughs> um, I super don't know the answer to this, but I'm going to go with Number two, I don't know why, but that sounded kind of right. The Dom DeLuise part of it sounded right for some reason. You're going with a Roman family featuring the voice of Dom DeLuise. And the correct answer is a Roman family featuring the voice of Dom DeLuise. I got one right. I would have laid money it was the Western because everything was so Western at that time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the show was actually called The Roman Holidays, and it came back in the early 80s, I think. Uh, and was kind of a flop. It, it, it ended after one season. I'm so curious huh. now. <laughs> I don't know why. I, that, that made sense. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, and so the final category for all of you is blue collar, which, of course, is the Honeymooners. Mm, yes. Uh, Speaking of the Flintstones. Ralph Cramden and Alice, so they like very famous characters that definitely have echoed through all of our culture. Yeah. That that same pairing has shown up for decades at this point. However, the original actress who played Alice on the on the Jackie Gleason show, which the, the Honeymooners spun off of, mm-hmm. was not invited to be on the Honeymooners because she was blacklisted during the communist scare. Mm-hmm. Gleason originally turned down Audrey Meadows for what reason? He did not want the final actress who played her to play her. Uh, one, she beat him playing golf when he invited her out on the course after she was cast. <laughs> Two. He thought it would be too unrealistic for someone as young and pretty as her to be his wife. Three, she'd broken his son's heart several years previously, and he was afraid it would open old wounds. Or four, she'd accidentally stolen his dessert at the Brown Derby restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say she beat him at golf. I'm also going to say golf. Uh, We got two for golf. Dan? uh, I'm going to say that uh, she was too young and pretty. And the correct answer was too young and pretty. Yeah. That is correct. He originally fought that casting that became so iconic because he thought it was unrealistic that he would be someone that young and that attractive. As I've said many times on the podcast, it upsets people when people date outside their league. Other Strangers give people flack for this. So an interesting point was she went to the audition. She was, she was told she was not getting the role and for what reason, at which point she went back home, took off all of her makeup, put on her frumpiest clothes, <laughs> took some pictures of herself and sent them back in resubmitting. The pictures were shown to Jackie Gleason the next day, 
who said, that's her. That's, that's my ass. <laughs> Not realizing that was the same actress he'd seen the day before. Brilliant. That's fantastic. <laughs> that I love that because she went and did it. It wasn't like some mm. producer was like, no, we need a hot, you know, whatever. Like she went and like said, well, if this is what you want, then, you know, fuck you. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> An interesting other trivia bit I discovered from that was uh, she was the only one who received residuals for all all the shows after it went into syndication. How? Really? Uh, she apparently went in with uh, her two brothers that were lawyers oh, who wow. insisted on a little clause that she'd get residuals as long as it aired. And the network didn't see any point in fighting it because how long could it possibly air? Right. Uh, it's kind of like the first George Lucas. Reserve, yeah, reserving your merchandising rights for your science fiction fantasy movie. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> who would want to buy a Yoda? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did the baby Yodas ship out or did they get delayed because of COVID? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> did people forget? I feel like people forgot about Baby Yoda. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Come on. All of the stuff that we thought was important just a few months ago are gone. Okay. Do you remember anyone talking about impeachment anymore? Like, we're done. We've moved on. <laughs> well, Baby Yoda got impeached, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Yoda's unimpeachable. <laughs> oh, Lord. Everybody. Well, this is- this is it's it. that time. <laughs> if you want to check us out on social media, we're no, at, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. You gotta, you gotta do this with more energy than that. Come on, more zest. <laughs> Give it to it's us. Are, fact, okay, hold Michael's on. Michael's going no. to select some new music to play underneath you while you go that's, through. Uh, this. <laughs> inflatable butts. Yeah, inflatable butts. Okay, so let's rewind. <laughs> we are on Instagram and Twitter as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. And you can check out our website at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Leave us five-star reviews on everything. Um, (laughs) Tell your neighbor about us. Through the window. Play our podcast at 8 p.m. So everyone, uh, all the first responders can hear how grateful we are. At top volume. Um, Because now we have actually decent audio quality again. Yeah, it's uh, another episode. Another <laughs> another week in I'd, quarantine. I'd just like to say that just having the actual mic in front of my face now makes me feel like we're recording an episode. It puts me in the mindset and it helps so much. I think uh, not spending an hour trying to get stuff to work put me in the right mindset. <laughs> yes, <laughs> 100%. Oh, yeah. Um, and if you're... Uh, once again you're not in your car let's be honest if you are thank you for your service but (laughs) you're probably at home and there's someone behind you because you're in quarantine with them so at this point you probably don't need to watch out (laughs) just don't oh yeah and in case you were wondering there are 256 days until christmas (gasps) better get shopping ba-da-da-da scoop boop (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 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 Bump. <laughs>